Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz home game. There are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Time to talk basketball now with Steve Cleveland. He joins us every week. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest to you. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. I'm curious, not about basketball, but about when you were coaching and you were trying to deal with guys' mentality, how they're thinking, especially about themselves and their confidence level, because it seems like the five-game losing streak, people were so frustrated, and you can't blame them because the Jazz looked like they'd never closed out a close game before. They made so many mistakes at the end of so many winnable games, and then suddenly against Houston, they're just rock solid, making one big play after another. And when something did go against them and Houston hit a big shot, they just answer with a big shot. How does a team turn around on a dime like that? <laughs> That's what drives us all crazy as coaches. Uh, you know what? I mean, sometimes it's matchups, but when you do get kind of in a funk and you're, you're not playing well, uh, a lot of time goes in behind the scenes. And, uh, the, the, you know, the one thing that, Sometimes I think looking at the NBA, especially, we don't realize how many really, really good players every team has. And, uh, and, and so the expectation level is that they can always do this night in and night out. And depending on whether you're, who, who you're playing or whether you're on the road or injuries, whatever, a lot of, a lot of different circumstances impact uh, winning streaks and losing streaks. But if anything about the Jazz is that there is a maturity here. This is a group that certainly is capable of not playing well. And oftentimes you've got to give the opponent. Sometimes we don't give the opponent enough credit. And, uh, but the Jazz did kind of uh, stumble a little bit there. And, uh, and last night, just on that ball game where, in fact, it's the last couple of games, they've been able to kind of turn this thing around. But uh, it was a pretty special play last night with Bogdanovich. Uh, you know, a, a really well-run uh, out-of-bounds play with 1.6 seconds. I think it was interesting he's sitting on a bench with 1.6 seconds, and he comes into the game not having a very good shooting night, and they set a little down screen, and the first, I think Mitchell curls off it, and then he comes off. It's well-guarded, and he just knocks the shot down. But uh, it, it's the little things. It's the little things that over the course of 82 games or how many games you end up playing, you're going to have those moments where things aren't going right. But for the Jazz, uh, you're right. Every button they pushed last couple of games has has been perfect, and guys have stepped up and made plays. And good coaching, good players, and playing at home all contribute to making kind of uh, winning winning ball games like that. So, the thing that I thought was interesting is you already mentioned it. Bogdanovich is not having a good game, and and afterward they do the on court interview, and one of the things he says is coach having confidence in me. And obviously you coach at a high level for many, many years. And that idea of a player deriving confidence from the coach just by having him out there, from the coach's perspective, that seems to be such a delicate thing. And players look at signs and they pick up on vibes and such. And how much does he believe in me? And then, therefore, that's going to pump me up. How did you manage that situation in making sure the players are held accountable, but at the same time, you've got to give them confidence, and they're looking for you to give them confidence? It seems like it can get really tricky. Well, 
I think one of the things I know that my experience was from the very beginning of the year, and, and roles change in teams. You know, I mean, certainly for the NBA, they picked up new players. But in college, there, there were guys that went through different slumps and things. But I always tried to talk about what the roles of people were, never limiting them. You know, I mean, everybody kind of wants to be a difference maker. But sometimes, initially, as the season goes on, certain guys have certain roles. But I'm always talking about who I want, like who takes transition threes. And, and you kind of earn that right in practice and games. And, and uh, you know, you're very honest with them and you're very transparent about it. You say, listen, here's the people that I want, you know, taking those threes. I want Bogdanovich. I, you know, I want Donovan Mitchell in transition to shoot threes. You know, I, really, I don't really want, you know, whoever it might be, uh, you know, whether it's Conley or, or Ingles or Clarkson, but you define roles. And you let them know what you are confident, and you're constantly reinforcing that in practice. So it's not a surprise. I mean, I, I got to believe that when in practice, talking you know, as a team, they're talking about Bogdanovich and where we want to get him the ball, and where we want to get Ingles the ball, where we want to get Donovan Mitchell the ball. This is where they're best shooting from. These are the spots they're best. So you're constantly reinforcing that. That doesn't just happen in the last 1.6 seconds. And Bogdanovich knew. I mean, he was having an off night. But he, you know, again, he's six seven or so. He can get, he can shoot over the top. Houston's small, playing small, and it's harder to contest the shot of guys six seven or six eight. Whatever the circumstances were, though, that that's a process, and it's something that you're always talking about. And when guys are struggling, that's especially when you bring them in. Maybe you, you bring them in one on one and watch film and tell them, hey, listen, you, you're you're doing this technically, and just tweak this or keep taking that shot. That's a good shot. Or maybe they're shooting too many contested shots, maybe early in the shot clock, whatever the circumstances are. But you are, I mean, you, you have to be a therapist as a coach. I mean, you're constantly talking to these guys. And I don't, I don't care what level it is, high school, junior college, college, the pros, because they are human beings. And, they, you know, we, we talk a lot about culture these days and, and the business, but having that trust, in your players and them knowing that gives them more confidence. They're not second guessing. I mean, was there any question Boganovich was going to take that shot? No, he knew from the very moment he got it, he was shooting it. If it gets blocked, it gets blocked. If he misses, he misses. But in, in his mindset was, I'm, I'm taking this thing and I'm making it. He knew that he got his call. And that is established before that game started. I mean, that's established in practice. That's established in film sessions. Uh, that's what good coaches do is they identify and make sure guys understand their role and understand that that role can grow uh, as seasons go along and where maybe a guy wasn't given the green light on certain situations, he now is. But Bogdanovich has the green light, whether he's shooting well or not. So I'm curious now, because so much has been made of the Rockets, they play different defensively. They switch everything, and it's wrecked the Jazz pick and roll, and they've run them out of the playoffs two years in a row. Does Clarkson give them the weapon to kind of shatter that? Does Houston have an answer for him, or was that just one big game and we shouldn't read into it? Tell you what, Clarkson is – that was that was just a great pickup for the Jazz. I mean, you start looking at him, and he's averaging 17, 18 points a game the last four or five games. He, you know, had a big night, had 31 night, and, and uh, yeah, he does. I mean, a guy like that, he's kind of like Lou Williams, you know, for, for the Clippers. You, you've got a guy that – I mean, Jordan Clarkson could start on a lot of teams in the NBA. Him coming off the bench and having that kind of confidence makes everybody around him better. And uh, you, you really look at 
the Jazz and what their potential is. Getting Clarkson puts them in a position where they're they're better. They're a better team with him on the floor, and especially with that second group. And you know, and you, you take a look. I was just thinking uh, this morning a little bit before we got on. I was just thinking about the last few games with the Jazz, and, and you look at Angles. He's taken, you know, really averaging about four shots a game and averaging five points a game, but. He, you, you've mentioned, both of you have mentioned this. His, the chemistry of that starting group is so much better with Joe on there, and Conley's now shooting the ball better. Uh, even though you know, you, you say, well, why isn't Clarkson starting? You know, sometimes people watch games don't understand. But Ingles is a glue guy, and he's capable of going on for 20, 15 or 20. And occasionally, you know, he does. He's usually averaging 10, 11, 12 points a game. But even when he doesn't play well. He, he, he just he's a glue guy in that team and, and the chemistry is so much better with him there in that starting lineup and uh, and and certainly Clarkson is a difference maker on this team and and really is the guy they needed if, if they have aspirations of winning a, a round or two in the playoffs Clarkson's the answer I mean he he's going to be able if he if he can score 18 to 20 points a night coming off the bench uh, it just makes the jazz that deeper and and much that much better. So when you were coaching then with the Clarkson situation, how do you handle the closing game if it's close? Because you got your group, but you got somebody over here who's playing really well and has earned minutes, but do you disrupt what you normally do in the last four or five minutes of a close game? You go with this set of guys. Do you change it up? Is it situational? How do you handle it? I think it is situational. Though I, I got to believe, I mean, every every day in practice, you're spending 10 to 15 minutes on late-game situations, sideline out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, full court, time and score, uh, whatever the circumstances are. And so this isn't something – I mean, they didn't run that play for the first time. And, and, and they, the guys on that team know who they're going to have certain things run for them. And, it, you know, and I, I think actually, you know, for for a guy that's not shooting the ball well, I'm not sure I would have made that call. I, I might have gone another direction, but I do believe that that the size advantage that Bogdanovich had. I mean, he's taller than any player that's on the team on the Houston team, probably. And uh, he had the ability. He had the ability. Our coaching staff had great confidence in him, but he could shoot over it. You know, and they didn't need a three. Uh, in, in fact, on on the down screen that on the down screen, the I can't remember who curled off of it. But what happens on that? That curls and that takes the switch away, and then all of a sudden here comes Bogdanovich on the on the screen, the continued screen, and there's a little separation, and, and there's two guys throwing arms up at him, but he he's right in the middle, you know. There one guy's on the ball side, one guy's on the weak side, you know. He's kind of chasing and following numbers there, and so he has a wide open shot. I mean, it looks like they're both contested, but they're both on the sides of him, and uh, so. Yeah, it, it was a tough, it was a gutsy call to be honest with you because I, I'm not sure that I would have gone with him when he would, had been so quiet all night. But they know their players, they know their guys, and, and they executed that play perfectly. And uh, it, it's easier to shoot the ball when you know I'm shooting this. You know, it, it's another thing sometimes whether I should take the, during the course of the game. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about whether I should shoot or not. There was no question that Bogdanovich was going to shoot the ball. And that increases his opportunities to score. I mean, that increases the, the likelihood of him making a basket, knowing that thing, as soon as I catch it, I'm turning and I'm going. So, but it is a, it, it, it's, it's a gutsy thing, a gutsy coaching call to, to do that, but it, it turned into magic for him. 
So as you try to figure out stuff and adjust on the fly, and it's a little different in college than the pros, obviously. Steve Cleveland joined us, former BYU coach. So Juwan Morgan comes in in the middle of the year, and you know in the first half when Rudy sits down, uh, that was just like a free pass for Westbrook to get you know four straight layups and score eight points in the blink of an eye. So they put him in in the second half. Can you put yourself in the shoes of you know getting a your coach and you get a brand new player and I guess out of desperation maybe that makes it easier to do, and it worked. But it's, <laughs> it's a little nervy though. It, it is. I mean, I, I think that uh, it, it's a long year, and I think that having people to pick from and to, to, to now have a big that can come in there and play. Uh, I think sometimes we do do things out of desperation. Listen, we've tried everything. Let's let's go this direction, and uh, and then it works. And and you know, guess what? That gives that player that much more confidence that he called his number, and the guys are trusting in him. And I think the one thing about really good teams is I, I will I, I when I watch these games, the NBA games especially, uh, when guys make mistakes, when things aren't going well, or and especially with younger players and guys that are role players, you know what? That's a responsibility of, of the difference makers on every team is to make sure that that guy that goes in the game, that they know he, he knows that they believe in him. And if he goes in initially and makes a mistake and this is a layup or a free throw or make, you know, there's an execution error that takes place that the guys are right there. And I think that we don't give the players a, a great deal of credit, a great deal of credit that, that, the, the experienced guys, the guys that get the ball and get the opportunities, they're so good with guys that come off the bench because they know how important they are in terms of that the whole the season. I mean, the bench guys that have to come in, and so they come in with more confidence than when we think. But that was kind of a desperation, gutsy deal, and it turned out well. And uh, you got to be able to go to your bench in an 82-game season. I mean, you've got they have got to play and they've got to step up. And so it's not just the coaching staff that instills confidence, but it's the, it's their teammates that are also there that uh, I'm very seldom see in, in the NBA where guys make mistakes when guys just come, immediately come over. Hey, you're okay. You're okay. Stay with it. Real positive energy. And that helps too when you haven't been playing a lot of minutes or you're on a new team. So I want to give you some thoughts on uh, BYU basketball, get some thoughts on that. I'm starting to get excited, Steve, and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself but as I look at the last 25 years, you know, you had the Jimmer thing, and that obviously was great. And I think you had yours with Travis Hansen and those guys. You know, you had yeah. a tournament team that was capable of winning. They underseeded you, I think, a couple years in a row because they didn't have any pedigree. And so you ran up against teams that you, you got crappy seeds. You should have been able to get a better seed and win. Nevertheless, it was what it was. But I look at this team, and I'm thinking this team compares to those two eras that I think were the best in the last 25 years. Am I getting my head of myself, or what's your level of excitement? I, I agree. I, I, I'm telling you what, there is a, there's a confidence level with this group, and there's a toughness level with this group that uh, they they do they believe they can win every game. I mean, and and I think that you know, obviously the the players Yoli uh, and 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 TJ you know have been there and done that. And they're playing with far more confidence. I mean, I, you just listen to Yoli and some of his post-game or pre-game talks and some of the things. He, he, he's a different young man, and he, he's got a different perspective. And, you know, I think with TJ, 
uh, is playing with so much confidence. And I, and I give, I mean, I, I get Jake Toulson is, is a really, really special player on that team. And not just because he has the ability to have big night scoring, but he is one of the, you know, he, he reminds me of Travis. I, I can't go back into other teams, but Travis was a great leader. And, and, and Jake Toulson is a great leader. And, and I can just tell he, he just rubs off on guys and he's so confident and he's, He's so intense, and it's rubbed off on his team. And, and so the Dalton Nixons and the Zach Selyuses and Connor Harding, who may be the most underrated player on that team, we may not talk about him today that much, but I look at this team, and they're just playing with so much confidence. And I honestly, I do believe that they can beat Gonzaga at home. I, I, I know he'll take a very special game, but I don't know that I've, you know, Dave did some amazing, crazy things on the road against these teams. But at, at the end of the day at home, they've never really had the ability to do that. And I think that now they're in a situation where they're confident. There's a toughness there. Everybody knows their roles. And it's, they're playing a seven, eight man, you know, playing seven, eight, getting backs or back. We'll see what happens there. But I have the same feelings you do, Pat. I mean, I, 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 I really like this team at all levels. And even when they're not playing well, they, they get back into games, and even when they're playing well, they'll have some slippage, and uh, boom. And, and Mark's done a nice job. They, they, he's really connected, and not just Mark, but his staff. You know, and he's got a really good staff that connects well with guys, and you can, you can tell there's just great chemistry besides being some, some significant talent on this team in terms of being able to shoot the three, especially. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. See you guys. Steve Cleveland, former BYU basketball coach, joining us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.